the money. You're now listening to the Gambling with Gold podcast with Jason Gold. Presented by Champions Round. What is going on? My name is Jason Gold, and this is Gambling with Gold, and we are here to bet on the PGA Championship, which means I'm calling in my special guy from the desert in Las Vegas, Spencer at TF Sports, the co-host of the Better Golf Podcast. Spencer, how are you doing this fine Wednesday? I'm doing great, Jason. I appreciate you having me on again, and it should be fun running through the PGA Championship board with you. So the last couple of times we've had you on, we, we've we made some money. Last time we had the NFL draft, we made a lot of money. Yeah. That was great. So PGA Championship at Southern Hills in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We have not hit between the two of us and the podcast we've had here on Gambling Gold. We have not hit the outright yet. You know what? That shit changes this week. We're going to hit it. You believe that? I think we're going to hit. I think I have the winner. And when we get to that section, I'll say who it is and... Uh, if you listen to our last show, anybody out there, it's going to be a name that you heard during the Masters. So I think he's going to win this tournament, and I'm kind of putting my foot in the sand and, and drawing a line there with that. All right, so I think I know the guy, but we'll we'll save it for sometime down the road in the podcast. Let's get started with the actual course here. So Southern Hills, Tulsa, Oklahoma, last time they hosted a major was in 2007. Tiger Woods brought it home. Tiger Woods is once again playing albeit on one leg maybe one and a half legs the defending pga champion phil mickelson is not here he has not played since january i believe so no defending champ here field seems to be wide open although sky Scheffler's still playing out of his head and says this is his favorite course in america little scary but i in good conscience cannot bet on sky Scheffler this week i'm not doing it i'm not doing it full faith so before we get into that, why don't you tell me about the course and what type of player we're looking for heading into the PGA Championship this week? Sure. So for the fifth time in PGA Championship history, Southern Hills will be the host venue for the week. But anything you can find from past iterations of the course should probably be thrown out the window because of the restorations that have taken place over the past few years. As you know by now, Jason, everything I do is statistically backed, meaning not having that long-term data on hand for the venue is less than an ideal scenario and puts us in this predicament where there is a fine line between overexerting your beliefs and attempting to better understand the property from a visual perspective. Uh, so let's condense this down to the very start and then build the venue back up from there. So it measures in at 7,556 yards, par 70. The property might not always play as long as that version of the scorecard suggests, but the hilly terrain and rolling hills will create a large amount of uneven lies, suggesting players in the field will need to accept the good breaks along with the bad. The first thing I want to point out is that the hilly terrain and rolling hills are highly pronounced in any roll flyover video that you watch. And the best way I would describe the facility is a fiery venue that produces extra rollout and shots that don't stop in the correct locations possess a risk of either trickling down the shave runoff areas of the greens or perhaps even worse than that into the creek if a drive off the tee catches the wrong slope of the hill. Golfers are at a bit of a mercy of the gusts and the bad breaks in that sense and you know, all of those factors should naturally put a vision of great tee to green form into your head. And that point becomes even further emphasized when you look into 11 different holes featuring four or more sand traps guarding the surface. Like any PGA Championship test, total driving will be a factor for the week. And the ability to control your irons from all distances mixed with a short game that can recover and save par on errant approaches might be the key if you want to conquer the venue. Jason, do you mind if I run through my model very quickly? 
as always, you are more than welcome to do so. So I mentioned the importance of not overexerting your beliefs into a model, which will seem questionable since I went as heavy as I did for my first stat that I use. But the one thing we know about all PGA championship tests is that there is a strong correlation between T to green form and success at these properties. I started with weighted T to green for 35%. That is a large percentage up front, but I took a recalculation of the metrics to provide 40% of that computation from a re-weighted proximity total from 100 yards and beyond. 30% from total driving, which was a 65-35 split of distance over accuracy, and then 30% around the green. That around the green stat is going to be very crucial this week, and I put that in multiple times into this model. Weighted fast bent grass, 15%. I did strokes gain total at hard scoring courses for 10%. I'm not necessarily convinced that the winning score lands in the single digit range. That's one of the reasons why I like the guy that I do this week, but there is still a decent percentage of the field that will struggle to break par. I put 5% on strokes gain total and win. The win that is projected in the forecast deserves a much more significant weight than 5%. But, you know, there are outliers regarding win in general. And I prefer adding it as something I can look into more from a daily perspective and maybe not a deciding factor over all four rounds. Weighted par four, 15%. There's going to be 12 at this course. Half of those stretch between 450 to 500 yards. Weighted scrambling 10%. That adds in scrambling. That adds in a little bit more of the short game stats I was just referring to. It adds in sand safe percentage. And then I also went back again with sand safe percentage to wrap this up for 10%. As I said, 11 of the holes are guarded by four plus bunkers. Pretty much every location will have multiple that come into play. And sand safe percentage will be equally as crucial as around the green, if not maybe more so. So those are the two key factors that I am kind of implementing into my model trying to find players that are going to be able to salvage par when things do go wrong. So from a course perspective, I anyone who wants to gamble on the PGA Championship would go look at one of the uh, flyovers that they've done. Golf Digest had a couple. Go to YouTube. The course looks absolutely magnificent, but the changes that Gil Hounds made in 2018 are really significant, as you mentioned. So really fast. We're going to see a lot of balls roll, trickle into the creek. Uh I was listening to the course director who was saying that, you know, some of these balls that come up short are going to run back 20, 30, yeah. 50 yards off the green. So definitely something to keep your eye on. Potentially there are some players that hit the ball a little bit higher in non-win conditions where may have a little bit uh, better success rate. Um, what I've seen from the course is these par fives are absolute monsters, 650 yards on one of them. The par fours look to be gettable, ish but it's par four so it's a little bit harder there and the par three is again monsters you're talking about 230 240 250 um from that perspective do you think that there's an advantage to a type of player that could have success here this week well one of the reasons why i did a weighted proximity from 100 yards and beyond and not just 200 yards plus stems down to kind of what you just said about the par five scoring there. So you are going to have long par fives and you are going to have long par three. So that is going to put some semblance of long iron play into the mix. But because these par fives are so difficult, they're natural three shot holes. Nobody's going to be able to reach in two shots. So I think players are going to have to be good iron players from, you know, 100 to 125 yards. I think the ball flight thing that you brought up is an interesting one because these are small surfaces naturally players that can have a higher ball flight theoretically will be able to stick the green better. But in the same sense of that, you know, we're looking mostly on Friday, 40 mile per hour wind gusts, you know, that naturally kind of 
puts you more into the range of a, a low ball flight hitter. So I think players that can go both ways with it, I think you're going to want to have high ball flight. And that's one of the things when you look at apex in general, you have to be very cautious with that. Cause a guy like Rory McIlroy is a high ball flight hitter, but he's also capable of, you know, hitting a stinger and putting the ball a little bit lower. So I think guys that are creative guys that can accept bad breaks, uh, whether that be from an uneven lie or from the wind, guys that are good around the green that can either save par when the ball does roll off, as you said, 20, 30, 50 yards, or maybe lands in the bunker and then can salvage par from there. That's the kind of blueprint I'm looking for. So this is a little bit more of like an open championship, quote unquote, test than maybe a PGA championship because PGA championships are generally American style bombing, heavy drives. You're going to have some of that. Total driving is going to matter, but you're going to also need that short game and win play to find success. One of the interesting things when they were doing the flyover that I heard was you have these really, really long holes, but there's also the expectation that these guys are going to have about eight holes on this course where they're going to have wedge in their hand on the second shot. So when you talk about creativity and being able to hit all these different shots, high, low, short wedge, long arm, it's really going to take a complete player to be able to win this. And you're right. Maybe that is a, more of a British Open or U.S. Open type of player rather than just the PGA Championship bomber that we're used to. Yeah, and and you know we'll talk about some of the players I have because like like the person who I think is winning this tournament, even though he is not an American, he does have that American style game, but he has a nice perfect like hybrid fit to where he hits it long, but he also has a good short game. So I think players, as you said, that have an all around. Uh, you know, form that they can bring into play are going to be the ones that can find the most success. All right. So before we get into our best bets here, two things. One, I would like to talk about the weather because I think it's going to be important. And as you said, it may be something that we're able to go after on a day-to-day basis rather than taking into account for the entire, you know, length that we're going to make outright bets and such. But hot on Thursday, looks like it's going to be about 91 degrees in Tulsa. Great for our guy, Tiger. We'll see. But then we get to Thursday, 85, rain, wind. It's going to be nasty, it looks like, on Friday. And then you get to the weekend, and it's it really cools off quite a bit. 67 on Saturday and 72 on Sunday. So what do you think the weather is in terms of an input in your model, or how are you approaching it this week? Uh, as I said, I mean, one of the things I like to do is look at weather more in a daily perspective than a tournament-long perspective. And, you know, to answer this from let's say DFS perspective more than anything. As of right now, it does look like a Thursday morning, Friday afternoon split is going to be the preferred range. But I'm always the one that seems to die on the hill that I don't like to go with the narrative there. Weather changes so quickly. We saw it at the Players' Championship. Everybody that thought the one end of the weather draw that was going to be better, all of a sudden you have delays that come into play. And now the other end of the weather draw gets the advantage there. So, um. I am not going to be a person that's necessarily going to take the weather and and make that my only answer there. But as far as Tiger Woods is concerned, he is in that morning draw. He does seem to have the better weather up front. I don't think that's necessarily a coincidence that the PGA Championship put him there. We kind of talked about that in the Masters that we believe that they're going to give Tiger Woods the best chance to find success and play all four days as possible. But it's something I would look at more from a round-by-round sense. Maybe for DFS, if you're playing showdown, Maybe for head-to-head bets, it's something that you can look into. But uh, I'm not necessarily the person that falls in love with weather biases. So if we're saying that the PGA Championship has done their job to put Tiger in the best position possible, 
Maybe those other two guys are going to play with him on Thursday and Friday, one of whom I think that you're referring to. We have Spieth and Rory that are going to be playing with Tiger. Maybe they're the ones who are the true beneficiaries of the PGA of America's decision here. I think those are the two guys that have probably had their win equity jump more than anybody else in this field. All right. Uh, So we're going to get to our best bets. We're going to start with outrights in a second. Before we get to that, we will talk about the PGA Championship 7-6 that we have on the Champions Round app. At the end of this, as we always do, I'll run through the list and get Spencer's picks for that. But we do have a new game mode that is live on the Champions Round app right now that we are testing. So you can help test it with us. Uh, It is called Daily Dozen. You make 12 prop picks per day. Today's slate is on the Mavericks and Warriors game for tonight. So jump in there. You get 12 picks. And we're going to do some prizes and fun stuff. Eventually, it will be a cash product. But go ahead and jump in and help us test Daily Dozen right now. All right. Let's get to it. We're going to start with outrights. Why don't you give me the guy who is going to win the PGA Championship, who maybe struck out just a little bit at the Masters, but really closed strong on Sunday. First of all, I mean, is Vegas trying to shut us down so we can't get this Rory McIlroy ticket out yep. to everybody? I, I don't know what happened there. Sorry about that on my internet there. But uh, yeah, as you said, Rory McIlroy, 18-1. That was on DraftKings yesterday. Be sure to shop around. It is down to 12 to one now. And some of that has to do with the weather draw we were talking about. But if everyone recalls, this is the exact spot I went during the masters. There always are a handful of setups that pique my curiosity for Rory. The first is when we get these tree line venues that accentuate total driving. We have always seen him provide his best golf when he can use his driver as a weapon, but perhaps even more importantly than that, I like him when the greens become smaller. It doesn't mean players aren't going the three putt because they most certainly will. But the ability to recover from either a bunker or from off the surface is going to be vital and something the Irishman does as well as anyone in the world. I grabbed Patrick Cantley at 28 to 1 months ago. It's something you and I, Jason, have talked about. I have him for every single uh, major this year. So I'm fine playing this down to 22 to 1. The upside is pronounced in my model. And we see that with him grading first on fast bent grass, second in weighted scrambling, and first in weighted par for scoring. I'll include the next two together of Tommy Fleetwood, 110 to one and Alex Noren, 130 to one. I'm not saying the venue necessarily turns into more of an open championship than we typically, uh, you know, would see from a PGA championship, but the closer in the single digits that we do find ourselves here, the greater the win equity becomes for each. And the same sentiment can be said about my last pick play of Matthew Fitzpatrick at 50 to one, who is the poster child for how to perform on difficult golf courses. Seventh and weighted scrambling inside the top 15 for win and hard courses. Let's see if the week mimics more of a European style course than a typical PGA championship, because if it does Fleetwood, Norton and Fitzpatrick have a chance. And as I said earlier, I do believe Rory and Cantley are hybrid virgins versions of each where not only can they use their driver as an advantage, but they have the short game requirements to get the job done in blustery conditions. And, I don't know about Cantley, but I know Rory just had a kid, so he is not a virgin. <laughs> hey, Cantley is a virgin in terms of winning a major championship. So maybe that's the weekend. This is the weekend that he ends up breaking it. Like how I tied that together somehow. That was... <laughs> Very possible on that. Um, all right. So I've heard that name, Alex Norton, a couple of times this week around just some whispers around the internet, some people in the golf community. I think he has a real shot to win here way down the board. So can we dive into him a little bit more and maybe some other places that we can play him other than just the outright market? 
Sure. So, you know, when we look at his stats and he's going to be very popular on DraftKings and it might be a way to get different is trying to find him in different markets this week. I love his short game. He's ninth in strokes game putting over a two-year sample size. When we look at just fast bent grass, he is second. Add all of those together, he's ninth again from a fast bent grass from a total perspective of it. Scores well in difficult conditions. We've always seen him do well. I know I keep alluding to open championships, even though this is a PGA championship. But think of these blustery, gusty conditions where he can find success. He's good on long par threes. He's good on these par fours. He's been fine on par fives. And maybe that's one of the things like we don't think of him in a birdie fest necessarily. So if we're looking at six under par, seven under par, I think that's where he really comes into play. And one of the, my favorite ways to play him this week is to do a top 40 on him at plus 140 on DraftKings. That is minus 110 on FanDuel, plus 135 on points bet. As I said, my model doesn't always see the upside that Noren possesses. But his safety mark of 15th mixed with his cheap price tag on DraftKings has him in that similar range of a player like Fleetwood, which I'll get to in a second, where I will cross my fingers that they make more of a run up the leaderboard than you might necessarily think. I don't necessarily need it entirely for DFS contests or for a top 40 wager, but you know, they're great. Both of those two guys are going to be great short game players, great bunker players. Norrin ranks ninth in my model on fast bent grass screens. And inside the top 16 for both scrambling and sand save percentage. And then just to throw out the other one, because I just mentioned him, Tommy Fleetwood, top 40, plus 140 on DraftKings also. The Englishman has made seven cuts in a row entering the week, including five of those resulting in top 22 finishes. The short game prowess that I keep mentioning, you know, turns this course into something where I think it can pay dividends for him. His combination of around the green mixed with sand save percentage places him fourth in my model. And the high-end version of him, that used to compete in these majors a few years ago, always thrived at these total driving venues where his combination of distance and accuracy moved him near the top of any list. I had this price properly at plus 110, which gives us 30 points of value. And I guess just to run through all three of my top 40s this week, just to get it done with, Aaron Wise, top 40, plus 180 DraftKings, that's plus 155 FanDuel, plus 170 points bet. This is a player that is going to benefit more if it is a PGA championship style course than an open championship. We've seen him find success 17th place last year, and the current form is trending in the right direction, posting three straight made cuts to go along with two of those finishes resulting in a top 21. My Oregon guy. I love to see that. I'll probably be making a nice little play on Aaron Wise as well. So a couple of guys at the top before we get into some head-to-head stuff. Uh, that I wanted to talk about. So John Rom, we talked about a guy who you want him to keep his cool because there might be some bad breaks. You might end up in the creek. John Rom does not fit that mold of the calm, cool, collected type of player. What type of week do you think that he's going to have this week? I, I like his skill set. If we get rid of what you just said there, and if you get rid of the short game, which he has found troubles with a little bit recently, um, I think from a leverage perspective on DraftKings, he is going to probably either him or Morikawa be the lowest owned player in the $10,000 or up range. That always intrigues me a little bit because if this does turn into maybe an easier course than I'm talking about, and, and I do think that's in play. That's one of the reasons why I picked Rory, that I wouldn't be shocked if the winning score becomes 12 under par, 13 under par, somewhere in that range where maybe you have one player run away with it. And if Rom's short game you know, can do a little bit better than he's done recently, you have three top 13 finishes from him over his last four PGA championships 
to me, he's more of a guy that I would be considering for GPP contests than anything, just because he's going to be about 10% owned. But um, there's going to be volatility there for the reason that you mentioned. All right. And then Justin Thomas, who traditionally has not played weeks before these majors and decided, you know what, screw it. I have been underperforming in majors. He decided to play last week, played very well. Uh, do you think that maybe changes his mojo? And how do you think he fits this course? I love him at PGA Championship courses. He's first in my model and weighted tee to green. 2017 winner of the PGA Championship, which is his only major that he's won to date. I will say, and we saw this work okay for him at the Players' Championship. He's going to probably be on the wrong end of the weather draw. And that's not a killer. It's not going to be a reason why I remove him. But if we look at, let's just say the players, $10,000 and over. So Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, and Rory McIlroy. Using ownership and using all of that and putting it into a model. My favorite play is Rory. I think from a leverage standpoint, Scheffler and Rom make a lot of sense. Uh, Thomas is somebody that's going to be the most popular of the group. I wouldn't be surprised if he creeps towards 20% before this is all said and done. That probably puts him fourth in my model based off of that, even though he's second overall. And then the one player I am lower on, which kind of agrees with the market, is Colin Morikawa. I worry about the short game with him. I worry about him at venues where there is windy conditions that come into play just because he's so precise with his irons. And I know you could date it back to, well, he won the open championship. That was also a, a, a course where it was a very simple, not a lot of wind. He was able to use those irons. It didn't play the way people thought he wanted at, you know, 20 under par or better, whatever he ended up winning it at. So um, you know, it's going to be more difficult. I do think that the wind is going to creep up on these guys. And Morikawa is the one player in that range that I don't necessarily want anything to do with. Okay. So I was just going to ask you which players were fading. So Colin Morikawa would make the top of the list for you. Are there anyone a little bit down the board who you're like, nah, I don't want any part of you. Uh, I'll quickly scroll through some names here. So Colin Morikawa, uh, Dustin Johnson, I'm out on Victor Hovland for the same reason that I mentioned with Colin Morikawa there. I know in a DFS perspective, people aren't going to play Brooks Kepka, but I will let him beat me if he's able to do so. Um, try to find somebody a little bit lower here that has some ownership. What about like a Gary Woodland at 8%? Maybe a Cameron Young. Now, I do know the offshore market likes Cameron Young this week, uh, but at 13 to 20% ownership, uh, he was one of the guys I liked during the Masters. He fell flat on his face there. I just think there's too much volatility from a DFS perspective. I'm not necessarily looking to take Cameron Young on in a head-to-head -head matchup, but I think for DFS, I would rather just, you know, wait and see on him. If he beats me, he beats me. All right, so let's go. We, you are the head-to-head -head master, so why don't we head into that market tournament and potentially round one, what you're looking at on your board right now. Yeah, so I have four from a, a pre-tournament perspective. I don't have anything yet that I have found from an in-tournament perspective. I'm going to wait as long as I can tonight to see where this weather goes and then run my model one last time for there. But the first one I will give is Tommy Fleetwood minus 120 over Maverick McNeely. On the surface, we don't have a large edge of just grading this purely from the price. But we're talking about a player, McNeely, that has yet to make the cut during any of his four major championship appearances. And by the way, I don't want to look too much into that because only one of those has come since 2017. But I think a lot of this pricing is coming from the 14 straight made cuts we have seen from McNeely, which is definitely noteworthy. But I'm having a hard time seeing how his game fits Southern Hills. The around the green portion ranks outside the top 90 over his past 24 rounds. He's 92nd in harsh scoring conditions throughout his career. 
The sand save and scrambling place him outside the top 60. And the weighted proximity puts him 81st in my model. Those stats take away some of the built-in safety that most will think they have on the surface. And I'm not sure what his actual upside is for the event. I have mentioned Fleetwood in every single market now. I do think he is one of the better plays on the board. Him and Noren are probably the two guys I'm trying to get as much exposure to as I can. And I just so happen to really like this matchup against Maverick McNeely. My favorite play on the board, and we can talk about that later. Maybe I'm jumping a little bit too much, but this will be my best bet. Uh, Chris Do Kirk, it. Chris Kirk, minus 120 over Kevin Kisner. Uh, when we look at this from a safety perspective, both of these guys run into some problems. But I am willing to look at the upside here, which places Kirk 23rd in my model and Kisner 97th. The most likely way we lose this bet, in my opinion, is if it goes miscut, miscut. But as long as we get one of those upside days from Kirk over the opening two rounds, I believe we have a ton of hidden value in this play. I think this is more proper in the minus 160 range. So this is something I really like. And then my model loves this player every single week. I'm not going to continue to put outrights on him for the time being, but in a head-to-head -head matchup, I think this is a really good place to play him. Webb Simpson, minus 110 over Mark Leishman. For anyone that listens to Better Golf Weekly, you will know that everything I just said is true there with Webb Simpson. I love to play him, but let's instead focus on Leishman, who is about 50-50 to make the cut with my math. Um, let's If we look at his finishes recently, he does not have a top 50 during his last four full field events, resulting in him averaging negative 1.63 strokes to the field. I have this price accurately at minus 140, and I think it's a really good spot to fade Leishman this week. And then the last one I will give that I have not mentioned anywhere yet, and it's laying more juice than I typically do, but it's going to go back to all the reasons why I like Rory McIlroy. And if you remember, I took the same stance with Rory over Colin Morikawa at the Masters. That bet won. This time we're going to take Rory over Victor Hovland, minus 135. Hovland's lack of a short game when running my numbers is very it does not look good based off of that. He's 95th around the green over a two-year sample size. And while there is a chance the irons are dialed in, the more recent short game form is even worse, placing him 141st over his past 24 rounds. I never love location-based narratives like we're getting with Hovland this week. He went to school at Oklahoma State. That's about an hour away from Tulsa. I think Rory wins this event. So when you add all of those things together, I think there's a lot of value in this play. And I think this should be more in the minus 160, minus 170 range. All right. You're you're talking me into betting the house on Fleetwood. And I have a general rule. I used to love Tommy Fleetwood. I bet him that round that he had where he shot 63 on Sunday to finish second. I yeah. don't know if it was a U.S. Open. It or was, yes. It was a U.S. Open. Yeah. And I had him to win and he almost came back and won. And it was a massive number. And then I've bet him every tournament since, and he stinks. Yeah. He was on my do not bet list. Now I have to bet him. So this is going to be a spicy weekend with me re-jumping on the Tommy Fleetwood bandwagon. I can't wait. Uh, all right. So why don't we close out the show with our seven stakes? So we are open until tomorrow at 6 a.m. to play seven stakes on the Champions Round app. And we are giving away a Xander Shoffley signed golf ball. For the winner of that contest. So let's start off. Best finish in Group A. Scotty Scheffler plus 145. John Rahm plus 170. Rory McIlroy plus 205. I know where we're going to go, but I'll continue. Colin Morikawa plus 235. Justin Thomas plus 265. And Justin Dustin Johnson plus 315. So we're going to go with Rory at plus 205 there. 
We are. And, and just to talk about this group for one second, you know, I kind of alluded to this. I don't like Dustin Johnson or Colin Morikawa. Uh, both will be a way to get unique in this contest if you want to go that route, but that's not something I'm looking to do. I think the big four that you mentioned would be Scheffler, Rom, Rory, and Thomas. I assume JT will be a very popular pick, but yes, give me the golfer I have winning this tournament in Rory at plus 205. All right, best finish in Group B, Victor Hovland plus 210, Cam Smith plus 215, Patrick Cantlay plus 305, I assume we're going to go there, Brooks Kepka plus 320, Jordan Spieth plus 360, and Xander Shoffley plus 395. I'm going to shock you here with my answer. I'm not going to go with Cantley. Now, he would be my second choice based off of that group. I don't have a problem with anyone that wants to go there. I don't have a problem with anybody that wants to play Spieth, but... I will take the very last name. Look, you're giving away something from him. this yeah. How do you not take Xander at plus 395? But uh, the reason why I'm going to take him aside from that is my model has him first when running this for upside, which I did decide to ignore in the outright market since I can't seem to get Xander right during most of these weeks. But I will take the potential in a contest like this because I do think that's a very good number on him. Okay, so at what number would you have him as a tournament winner, as an outright, where you'd be comfortable betting it? Because right now I see a plus 2,500 on the board at BetMGM. I mean, that's getting close to it. Um, Like, my model believes, if I run this purely from an upside perspective, that he should be 14 to 1. Now, I'm done playing this game of upside with Xander. It never plays out. Like, he's not a 14 to 1 golfer. I can safely say that, but... I kind of have made a rule of thumb at this point that if you can give me 28 to 1, 30 to 1, that's where I'll jump in and kind of just ignore everything. I do think 25 is a really good number. And just talking about movement, even at offshore books, I've seen him as low as 16 to 1 at places at, at books I respect. So um, I'm not going to get there. If he beats me, he beats me. But, you know, if, if he ends up drifting up to 28 to 1, I wouldn't talk anybody out of it. All righty. Best finish in Group C. Shane Lowry plus 250. Will Zalatoris plus 265. Hideki at plus 280. Uh, 280 sorry. Daniel Berger plus 325. Sam Burns plus 345. And Joaquin Neiman at plus 370. I'm conflicted on what to do here because I like Hideki and Hideki was the person I was going to give, but you know, there have been reports that have come out this morning that he might be dealing with some issues with his neck again. Um, I'm going to change on the fly here and I am going to take, it's very close between Berger and Neiman and, and Berger is the guy that is the one that was probably him and Fina would probably be the next two players that I wanted to have an outright on, but I will go for the long shots. I will say Joaquin Neiman just with him being the long shot. Cause I think it's very close. So group C Joaquin Neiman plus 370, his backup there, Daniel Berger. Plus 325. Best finish in Group D. Matthew Fitzpatrick plus 235. Tony Finau plus 265. Terrell Hatton at 320. Corey Connors, 345. We had Sung J. in here. He is not playing. So Louis Oosthuizen at plus 400 is our last one in there. Yeah, so for me, it comes down to probably Fitzpatrick, Finau, or Oosthuizen. Um we haven't seen Louie in action since withdrawing from the Masters. That's probably going to be the reason why I pull him. It's the same thing with a decade. I think you you can create leverage in contests like this or DFS making these plays, but I'm not necessarily sure I want to face that withdrawal that comes into play. Uh, I will go with the mini upset of Finau at, I believe you said, plus 265. Yeah, correct. 
Uh, you really, you don't even have this in front of you. You're really good at remembering all of these numbers. I'm always very impressed. Uh, best finish in Group E: Tommy Fleetwood plus two eighty five, Abraham Answer plus two ninety, Taylor Gooch at three hundred five, Paul Casey we had in here. He withdrew, so he's not on here. Webb Simpson plus three twenty five, and Adam Scott at plus three fifty. You're tempting me with Webb Simpson there, but I I'll go with Fleetwood. I I think he feels like the favorite. Um. I have some concerns about everybody in this group in general, and I, I think this is a nice spot to grab him where others might want to pivot away from the favorite. So Tommy Fleetwood. All right. The final best finish of a group, Group F, Siwoo Kim plus 215, Patrick Reed plus 235, Max Homa plus 280, Justin Rose 335, Jason Day, your boy, <laughs> plus 350, and Billy Horschel at 375. I'm pretty sure that from an outright perspective i'd have to double check it but i'm pretty sure it has all six of those guys as negative plays in the outright market so this is not necessarily the group that i like the most um looking through this very quickly i think horschel is the highest rated on my sheet but the best upside play jason day you know i can't turn down having exposure to my man at plus 350 so i'm gonna take jason day the interesting one on here for me, well, one, I knew you were going to go Jason Day. You had to. It's like <laughs> it's written into a contract somewhere that you have to pick Jason Day. Uh, Patrick Reed at plus 235 here and in general. So this goes back to I've listened to a couple of interviews with the guy who runs the course at Southern Hills. And Patrick Reed, he said, had spent the most time there out of any player. He's been back there a couple of times. I don't know how much that means, but it definitely entices me that this guy thinks if you're going to a place multiple times before – it's because you think you got a shot. You don't just go out three or four times to Tulsa, Oklahoma, just for shits and giggles. You're going because you think you can win. There's a lot of bunkers there, too. We know he knows how to manipulate his way in and out of bunkers throughout the PGA Tour and get creates lies for himself that some people <laughs> might not be able to see. But, I mean, based off of what you're saying, like there's going to be a ton of volatility with him, but he's good on weighted, fast, bent grass. He's really good at difficult scoring conditions. You're not going to run a model that loves him unless you stick to that very condensed information because any single time that you start looking at total driving, he sprays it all over the place off the tee. He's not as long, um, or he's not long at all. I mean, he's 90th in my model, but he's not as long as you would hope for a PGA Championship test. But, um, you know, if, if this plays difficult, sure. I, I think there's a blueprint that he can find success. And we've seen it from him in the past where my model doesn't necessarily love him and then he plays these hard courses well. And, he wins, and we do know he has winning upside when he does put it all together. All right, the final one here, our seventh question of 7-6. The winning score of the PGA champion, uh, minus 10, plus 235, minus 9, plus 315, minus 11, plus 425, minus 8, plus 750, minus 7 or lower, plus 800, and minus 12 or higher is plus 1,200. I think the most likely answer, gun to my head in this situation, I would probably say 10 under which is, I believe, what you have as being the favorite there. But yep. uh, Rory has never won an event in single digits. I mentioned that during the Masters. He hasn't ever been lower than 12 under for a win. So if my money is on him, I think I have to continue this. And, and by the way, I, I think if that tournament could have played maybe a little bit higher at the Masters uh, earlier on, I think Rory maybe wins that one too. So I'm going to say 12 under or higher at plus 1,200. That's just a really high number to try to be different in the contest. All right. I like that one too. Uh, all right. Last question before we head out of here. What do you expect from our boy Tiger this week? It's a tough question. So my model, if you remember, so last time around, 
It was top 50 in ties made the cut at Augusta. The bottom of the field had all your past winners. It had, you know, and I mean, when I mean past winners, we're talking about players that are in their 70s. I have really no chance to make the cut. I had him 50th in my model, so I had him right on that cut line. And I believed, and both of us believed, we talked about it on the show. We kind of hit that on the head, that he was going to be able to maneuver his way in and out of that course and would probably make the cut and falter as the week went on. And that's exactly what happened there. I am less encouraged for this week. And even if we look at the numbers for the Masters and, you know, they don't have strokes gained data the way that you would hope at a, a lot of these courses do. Just even if you watched like Joaquin Neiman over the first two days at Augusta and he's a long hitter, but he was out driving him by like 40, 50, 60, 70 yards. This course can play up to 7,500 yards. I do know he won it in 2007 at this venue. This is not the same course anymore. It's not going to be the same tournament. I worry a little bit about his about his length this week. Maybe because he's Tiger Woods, he can maneuver something together to where he makes the cut. But being 85th in my model, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I'm going to say he misses the cut. And it pains me to say that, as you can tell. But I hope I'm wrong. I hope he comes out and he gives us a top 10 finish this week. But there are a lot of red flags in my uh, model this week. And the one more so than any of them sand save percentage 131st over his most recent results. And I'd have to think that might stem from his back problems that he's just not able to practice it as much as he used to. I've heard Jason day talk about that before. And now we have extra problems with the leg that come into play that um, the numbers just continue to drop there. All right. So might be a tough weekend for our boy tiger, unfortunately, but we are going to put all of our eggs in the Rory basket. Once again, we ride again, Spencer. Hopefully this time Rory gets it done at Southern Hills. Uh, thank you so much again for joining us. And let's go make some money, people. It's time. We're going to hit the outright this yes. week. All right. We'll talk to you soon.